At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is the Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN. The Sports Bank Network a little bit moved up tonight as we're typically more around 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Pacific time. So three hours earlier, I absolutely love it because right now we've got a big one that's going to be going down the right to go to the final four. Right now, Duke in the lead on Arkansas, 45 to 33. And if you're looking for a second half line on this game, you are finding... Duke right around a one and a half point underdog on the second half. So if you're looking at this in game, you'd pretty much be having for the entirety of the game, Arkansas catching 10 and a half points and total anywhere between 78 and a half, seeing a couple straight 79s out there for the second half as well. So pretty much what you're banking on with regards to that is that there's only going to be 78 to 79 points scored in the second half. You do the math. 78 plus 79, that's 157 points in total. So that's what we're taking a look at right now. And it's been a rambunctious day in college basketball. So we're going to be getting that re-racked in a second. But first things first, got a pair of guests that are going to be joining the show tonight. Josh Towers, you remember him as he's a man that wanted pitching in the MLB for quite a few years. The Blue Jays, the New York Yankees list goes on and on. He is going to be joining me in about 30 minutes, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Eastern time, that is 10.30 p.m. Going to be taking a look at the upcoming baseball season. And he's a guy that actually pays attention to the college basketball as well. So we're going to get his thoughts on everything that we've seen in the NCAA tournament as well. At 8.30 p.m. Pacific time, 11.30 p.m. Eastern. Steve Quist does absolutely amazing work over there for ESPN. A lot of their play-by-play coverage of college basketball. He's going to be joining me. It's been a little bit of a rough go of it for teams out west this season. So... We're going to get his thoughts there, get his thoughts on everything that we're going to be seeing going down for Sunday as well. So we're going to have some fun with it. We're going to be taking a look at a couple MLB futures here on the show tonight and going to be taking a look at what we're going to be getting for the upcoming Elite Eight games. And we're going to be taking a look at what we've got right now as if you want to take a look at it a little bit earlier today, wound up actually having a pair of games that wound up going down. If you take a look at Southern Utah versus Portland, I know that that's not necessarily the most rambunctious game in the world, but Money is money. It doesn't matter if you're betting on these Elite Eight games, the National Championship, the Super Bowl, or the quarterfinals of the Basketball Classic. You're able to make money there. Southern Utah, 77 to 66. So you laid the points. It took the under. Boom, you were able to get home on that one. But the bigger game that is going to get a lot more attention and a lot more handled. That would be Houston versus Villanova. Villanova opened up right around one and a half point underdog. Public completely piled in on Houston and Houston, they wind up going down by a count of 50 to 44. And 
it's a game in which now you've got to be taking a look at Villanova moving forward because they're going to be getting the winner of the Kansas versus Miami game that is going to be going down tomorrow. And Justin Moore wound up going down with a very serious injury. A lot of people are saying that they're seeing shades of the Kevin Durant injury that we wound up seeing a while back. I've yet to see official word as to what wound up happening with that. And I don't think that we're going to get official word as to that injury until tomorrow. But I think it's very safe to say that Justin Moore, very, very, very much in question for the final four for Villanova moving forward. The one thing that you are able to say about Villanova is that they're a team that they have dealt with these injuries in the past. As we know, very famously, they wound up going through the NCAA tournament last year with Colin Gillespie being injured. And Colin Gillespie, really a heart and soul guy for Villanova. And we've really seen it with Villanova. 66 points or fewer given up and now each other last seven games all but one of those games have wound up going under the total they wound up having an outlier with an over that they wound up playing against Delaware because Delaware just couldn't guard a soul in that game so you've been seeing Villanova really becoming an under team and take a look at the, the NCAA tournament in general since the beginning of the Sweet 16 you've had one game go over the total that ironically enough was the Duke versus Texas Tech game we might wind up getting our second over since the beginning of the Sweet 16 once again, involving Duke because this is a total that in this game, it wound up closing right around 147, 147 half, depending upon where you were looking. So right now the over is in relatively solid shape and it's going to be very fascinating to see what you wind up getting because they're going to get started up here within the next few minutes. And when it comes to that first half of the Duke versus Arkansas game, they're showing the statistic right now, specifically points in the paint, Duke 30, Arkansas 14. Duke, with regards to their shooting in the paint, they wound up shooting over 75%. So if you're banking on Arkansas, you've got to bank on Eric Musselman being able to make those adjustments. And if there is a coach in college basketball that is one of the best at being able to make adjustments, it is Eric Musselman. This is a time of year in which you just notice that the good coaches, they wind up being able to get their teams to be able to play their absolute best. They get them to be able to fire on all cylinders. It's why you do wind up having... Right now, in this day and age of college basketball, nine active coaches having won an NCAA tournament title, and a lot of these guys have won multiple titles. I mean, you take a look at Coach K, for instance. He's got quite a few on his ledger. Jay Wright, who is going to be going to the Final Four, he's got a couple to his credit as well. John Calipari only has one, and obviously Kentucky wound up going down in a fiery heap against our good friend St. Peter's, but nobody could have seen that coming as... We are now up and running with regards to the second half of Arkansas versus Duke, but I do think that it just shows how difficult it is as well. And I do think that when it comes to college basketball, you do want to be taking a look at coaches that have been able to win a title in a little bit of a different vein, but I do think that it is a little bit different than you're going to be finding in other sports as well. Because when it comes to, say, NHL, say the NBA, it's a best of seven series. You're going to find in even baseball, it's a best of five series in a lot of cases and then you wind up getting down to seven when you get a little bit later on in the season you do have the one game wild card for instance but certainly you wind up getting a couple more bites at the apple and that leads to fewer outliers typically as well because you always do this with regards to handicapping games they always say that the best handicappers they had a little bit over 55 percent of their games the exact number is up for debate obviously if you wind up taking a line that is less than minus 110 more than minus 110 that percentage is going to vary but with that said you do wind up having a case of which your best handicappers, you probably don't want to be judging them on one or two games. You want to be taking a look at that full sample size. And when you do wind up getting that full sample size, you're going to notice that fewer outlier teams are going to be able to get by. Like if St. Peter's, for instance, was playing a bunch of best of sevens against Kentucky, against Purdue, against even Murray State, for instance, 
would they be finding themselves in this spot? Probably not. That is both the joys and the frustrations with being able to gauge March as you wind up having Arkansas get the opening bucket of that second half. Now finding it at 45 to 35 as looks like we've got a turnover and that goes to Arkansas. So that is a relatively good start there. And you do want to be taking a look at things in game and seeing with your eyes if you're going to fire in that way as to what you're getting right now. What we wound up getting in the first half with Duke was a team that was really able to do a good job in the paint. And if Arkansas is able to take that away, they're going to have a relative fighting shot in this game as well. And with Duke coming into this contest, they're a team that they have been very poor on defense. We're going to call it what it is. 73 points or more allowed in six out of their last seven games. They did a very solid job on defense in that first half. But if you wind up having Arkansas get a little bit hotter from three, because Duke has allowed opponents to be able to shoot 40 and a half percent from three point range in their last seven games, that could prove to be problematic. Now you've got the flip side with Arkansas a bottom 50 team in all of college basketball with regards to three-point shooting percentage. So it's a case in which something's got to give. Arkansas has been very poor with regards to their three-point shooting. You've got a cheerleader now taking the ball off the top of the rim, which that's very interesting to say the least. But with that said, you do have a case in which you've got one team that is very poor with their three-point shooting percentage, one team that is very poor with their three-point shooting defense. So it's a good old case of something's got to give, but... Right now, it is going to be really interesting to see what you wind up getting out of this game. And the winner is going to be taking on the victor in North Carolina versus St. Peter's. The good old Peacocks who wind up coming out of the Metro Atlantic. And I do think that when it comes to just being able to gauge these conferences as well, it's something that is of very much fascination. Because right now, we're seeing one of the three teams from the ACC that was able to make the Sweet 16 in Duke. Your other two, obviously, being Miami and North Carolina. And... Is it a case in which sometimes gauging the amount of teams that you wind up getting in the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, to just solely base it off of that as who the best conference in college basketball is? Probably a little bit unfair. Like, for instance, is the Metro Atlantic better than the Big Ten because the Big Ten didn't wind up having an Elite Eight team? Meanwhile, the Metro Atlantic did. Probably not. I mean, we're that, that just goes without saying. But when you wind up getting down to it as well, I do think that coaching experience is very big and it is a big reason why, with regards to the Big Ten, last time they wound up winning an NCAA tournament title, 2000. That'd be the Flintstones of Michigan State, who was able to do so back in the day. And you're noticing coming out of the break, by the way, we're about three minutes in with this Duke versus Arkansas second half. Arkansas doing a little bit of a better job in the paint. They've now had multiple turnovers in the second half as well, but they have really been able to ratchet it up. And right now you've got a little bit of sloppy play, 47 to 37. Got about 17 minutes remaining in this one. So we're going to be keeping you guys up to date on that. And we're going to be just taking a look at everything that we're going to be getting in college basketball with regards to the Elite Eight games for tomorrow. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. As well, as that's going to be deciding your final four matchups, the winner of what you're going to be getting with the Miami versus Kansas game is going to be taking on Villanova. So you've got a lot of variables there. And we're going to be jumping into what we're going to be getting with regards to some of these just insane props as well, because you've got a lot of players to be able to be the most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament. We wind up having a few of those as well. You've also got some flash props when it comes to some of these college basketball games as well. You wind up having quite a few player props coming in as well. Like Mark Williams, he wound up having a player prop of 12 and a half coming into this game. He is very much on his way for Duke wound up having 10 points in the first half. So we're going to be keeping you guys abreast of that as Arkansas they wind up having a pair of chances at the bucket. They wind up not being able to get the job done there. So 47 to 37, it looks like we're going to have with 1630 remaining in the second half as we've got a great show that's going to be coming up here on the Greg Peterson Experience. Josh Showers coming up in about 20 or so minutes. Steve Quist in an hour and 15 minutes as we take a look at everything that we're going to be getting in college basketball. And right now, current lines with regards to the Elite Eight games that we're going to be getting tomorrow. You're finding St. Peter's in a lot of places going from an eight-point underdog up or going from an eight-point underdog up to an eight-and-a-half-point underdog. That total right around 137. And then with regards to the Miami versus Kansas game, we have been seeing a little bit of a dip in the total. That one wound up opening up in a lot of places, more around about a 149. Right now, you're finding it anywhere between 147 and 147 and a half. And we're going to be taking a look at both of these games coming up on the other side. Kansas find themselves a six-point favorite. I think that that's a little bit too lofty, though I've got Kansas personally in my bracket. So I'll be diving into that next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The college basketball season has reached a fever pitch. Grab a five-hour energy to stay alert and to be able to watch all your favorite games or if you're staying up late, if this Arkansas versus Duke game goes overtime, you're going to need to take a five-hour energy shot in the morning. That way you're able to energize your day. With zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine, it's perfect pick-me-up to be able to get stuff done. Go to 5hourenergy.com to find over 15 different flavors to choose from. You've got grape, tropical burst, cherry, blue raspberry. My personal favorite is watermelon. You've got, like, banana strawberry. There's a flavor for everyone. So get a five-hour energy shot today. And it is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. I forgot to say it in the first segment. You know what's really been a sizzler here in the NCAA tournament? First half unders. You wound up having your first first half over in the NCAA tournament since the round of 32 with this Arkansas versus Duke game as that one wound up soaring over the total. But we have seen a little bit of a dip with regards to live total. Coming into the last commercial break, the total was back to right around what you wound up having the closing number at at 147 half. Things have really come to a little bit more of a halt here. You've got 51 to 41, 15 minutes remaining. Arkansas is going to be able to get the ball back and seeing a little bit of a sluggish start here through the first half as you wind up having both of these teams commit a couple turnovers more than you would probably like to see as we've right now got a grand total of 14 points here in the first five minutes and 
when it comes to totals in college basketball, if you ever look to bet these in-game, I do think that it is very important to just have a little bit of respect for the opening line. Now, you're going to have calamities like we wound up seeing in the Villanova versus Houston game. And boy, oh boy, I forgot to state with the Houston game how bad the three-point shooting was in that game. You wound up having them go one of 20 from distance in that game. You just wind up getting some of those outliers. If you wind up having something like that, you dive in-game on and over at like, 110 or something like that and they just can't hit water if they fall out of a boat it just you chalk it up as bad luck you chalk it up as a little bit of an outlier and you just wind up moving on with that one if you want to take it an end game over with that by the way you do want to be taking a look at game flow as well because that game was just had no flow whatsoever i think that that's very safe to say and that is the one advantage that you wind up having with in-game betting as well as now you've got arkansas who's very nearly coming up with a seal out there in the backcourt but when it comes to being able to base these games in-game, you do want to be taking a look at some of those things that you're probably not going to be able to find with regards to an algorithm. Now, when it comes to these bigger games, you are going to have a little bit more of the human element that's going to be involved with it rather than, say, a mundane college basketball game on a Saturday in which you've got like 150 games going down. It's very hard for having just a whole bunch of actual people watching every single game, looking for every idiosyncrasy humanly possible to try to be able to make the best number. They do trust the algorithms a little bit more, but I do think that that is important to take a look at as well. And something else that you want to be taking a look at as well is what we're going to be getting on Sunday as well as we're going to be keeping our eyes on Duke versus Arkansas, but a game that is going to be deciding who Villanova is going to be playing in the final four. That would be Kansas versus Miami. And, Right now, you're finding Miami as an underdog of, in a lot of places, six points. We're finding a good couple five and a halfs out there as well. So we've seen a little bit of dip from the opener of six and a half. This is 645, 646 on the betting board, by the way. And your total is any 14, 147, and 147 half. Want to brighten this one up for DK Nation personally. And I'm going to be actually going with the total in this game. I did wind up setting Miami as a five point underdog. So I'm going to be looking at that side. But with regards to the total, I set it at a 146. I just wanted to bring up the set a little bit earlier about what we've been seeing with regards to these totals, especially in the first half. And well, you haven't been getting a lot of overs here in the NCAA tournament. Depending on what winds up happening with this Arkansas versus Duke game here in the second half, you've got right now one game since the beginning of the sweet 16 for the full game as well going over the total ironically enough that one involved duke as well that was the duke versus texas tech game but you take a look at kansas all of a sudden this is a team that has been able to play some very good defense and i do think that remy martin is one of the biggest x factors in the entire ncaa tournament you have a guy that was banged up all throughout the non-conference portion of the season and he winds coming back and here's been his progression zero two four ten 12, 15, 20, and now 23 points in that last game against Providence. I mean, he has one up with his point total in each out of the last eight games. You just don't see that from a lot of guys. Someone that last season while he was at Arizona State, 19 points, three and a half assists. Not a great three-point shooter, but a guy that shot right around 33, 34% from distance. So he's able to space things out as a good plus defender as well. I think that we've really been seeing that here as we've got a Kansas team that has now allowed 68 points or fewer in five out of their last six contests. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side and what you've been able to get out of Miami. They're not a team that's necessarily been stout on defense this year. They are a team that they rank outside the top 200 with the guards points a lot on a per possession basis. But I feel like when it comes to this point of the season, guys do wind up becoming a little bit more tense. The one thing that really starts to go is their jump shooting. Because for one, you've got a lot of pressure in these games. These are 18 to 23 year old kids. 
I mean, it's hard for anyone, regardless of your age, to be able to perform on that sort of a stage. But I mean, especially being that age and now you're having to not only be able to try to bury threes, but you have to try to bury threes in a lot of cases, places like a football stadium. This is going to be a game that is going to be taking place out there at the United Center. So it's not necessarily like a football arena like you're going to be seeing with like some of these other places, for instance, Final Four in New Orleans, that's going to be played at a Superdome, that you're going to have some very, very strange backdrops when it comes to those games. But I do think that there is something to that. I mean, we see it every single time you wind up having a college basketball game in Madison Square Garden. I mean, Madison Square Garden, as we know, it's the home of the New York Knicks. But every single time you wind up having a neutral court game there, guys just crater. And we wind up seeing that in like the Tennessee versus Texas Tech game, in which Tennessee in that game wound up, I think, going 6 of 40 from three-point range. So that is always something that you want to be keeping in mind with regards to these totals. And I do think that it's a big reason why you do wind up seeing a lot of unders in these games. But with Miami, they do a very solid job of not turning the ball over themselves and generating turnovers with regards to steals on a per possession basis, number nine team in all of college basketball. So that means that the typical clean possessions that Kansas winds up getting, those might wind up going by the wayside a little bit more. And Miami's a team that they go one and done a lot. They wind up generating a second chance or an offensive rebound on 18.7% of their misses in a road and neutral court environment in terms of offensive rebound rate among 358 D1 teams. They rank in the bottom 35. So that means that you're going to have Miami probably playing a lot of one-and-done possessions, and Miami is by no means a blazer. They are right around 225th in the country with regards to possessions per game. Kansas, they're more around the 100 range, a little bit closer to 90-ish. So that is something that you want to be taking note of. Kansas, a little bit of a faster team, but that improved defense has been big in Kansas. They've been tenacious on the glass. You've got a pair of guys that have been able to do a solid job of being able to do so. Jalen Wilson along David McCormick. McCormick and Wilson have been able to combine for right around 14 and a half rebounds per game. Had a very nice double-double out of Jalen Wilson in the round of 32 game that they wound up playing against Creighton that I feel like was a big reason why they were able to get the job done in that one as well. And I take a look at Kansas and as of right now, with Houston now being out of the fold, Villanova being a little bit hobbled, I think that you've got to be having them as a little bit of a favorite to be able to win the NCAA tournament. I know that a lot of people are going to be saying Duke, and if Duke is able to get by Arkansas in this game, very much still in the balance, I do think that Duke is very much your team that should be coming out of that side of the bracket because they're going to be drawing the winner of UNC versus St. Peter's, and if they wind up getting upset by either of those two teams, it is going to be a little bit of a shocker as Right now, things have tightened up in that game, by the way. 53-48, 13 minutes remaining. If you're looking at a live number, you're right now finding Duke now being a five-and-a-half point favorite with a total anywhere between 153-and-a-half and 154-and-a-half. And that's a bucket for Duke, so they've now pushed the lead back to seven, but certainly things have gotten a little bit tighter with regards to this one as Arkansas, they wind up trying to be able to retaliate on the other end. That was a missed layup, but you take a look at what you've got with regards to the bracket as an entirety, and I think the things are breaking very well for Kansas, and I, you just take a look at it, and sometimes that's the biggest key. We all take a look at the run that Gonzaga wound up going on in 2017. That was the year in which they wound up playing in the national title game against North Carolina. Was Gonzaga a great team that year? Oh, absolutely. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but I, mean, I think that they wound up having one of the most fortunate breaks that you've ever seen. I think that they wound up that year drawing Xavier in the Elite Eight as something like an 11 seed. They wound up having South Carolina in the final four as a seven seed. Here they are having the 10 seed in Miami, taking them on in the elite eight. If they wind up drawing Villanova, it seems like that injury that you wind up having to Justin Moore might wind up being a big hamperance to them as well. So 
things have been really breaking right for Kansas. I do think that they're going to have a tough time in this game. I do ultimately think that they are going to be able to get the job done just because they are going to be able to do a better job on the glass in Miami. But I do think that this is going to be a relatively close game. This has been a tournament that has really been rewarding underdogs as well. Since the second day of the round of 32, we have seen one team as north of a five-point favorite being able to cover. That was Duke when they wound up playing against Michigan State in that game, of which they were legitimately trailing in that game with three minutes remaining. They wind up having a march to the free throw line. They were able to win that game by nine to be able to cover as about a six and a half point favorite in a lot of spots on the closing numbers. So this has been very much an underdog tournament to this point. We will see if that winds up holding true if... Arkansas is able to make a comeback here right now. Not necessarily looking too great for them as right now your in-game number is now back up to nine and a half as Arkansas has pushed your lead back to nine. But certainly we've been seeing a lot of underdogs be able to come through. We've seen a lot of unders as well. I am going to be on the underdog in this Miami versus Kansas game. And I'm writing up for DK Nation is the under. And coming up next, got to talk a little baseball. It is getting to be that time of year. And Josh Showers does an absolutely terrific job for us being able to take a look at the game. He's going to be joining me next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day you're able to choose from Wendy's stack lineup like the Breakfast Baconator, Croissant Combos, and Hot and Cold Coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends. Oven baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and it's simply OJ to be able to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick it up through your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely, choose Wendy's, as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. And joined by that guy right there, Josh Towers. He used to pitch in the MLB for quite a few teams for a, I would call it successful career. You were able to do some great things. You got yourself a title while you were with the New York Yankees. Had some great years over there with the Toronto Blue Jays and Josh with regards to what we're seeing in the MLB this year, we are seeing a couple changes. We've seen the rosters expand a little bit more here in the month of April from 26 to 28, which I honestly think that with the roster expansion, you want it a little bit earlier than later, personally. So I was a fan of that. Obviously, we're going to have the Universal DH. We've got the Ghost Runner that's back. I'm not necessarily a fan of that. But with regards to some of the rule changes that you've found, do you think that this is going to make a positive or impact or negative impact for a few of these teams because I do think that with regards to expanding the rosters, that is going to help a few of these teams stay a little bit more fresh with their pitching rotations. So you like some of them is what you're saying. I like the 26 or 28 at the beginning of the season because when it comes to the beginning part of the season, a lot of these starters are ramping up. So that means that you wind up getting a little bit of dead arms, some guys that they're just not necessarily prepared for the season. So I actually do like that rule change. Yeah, you know what? You know what? I, the first thought when you said that, uh, and I didn't think of it to, to before GP is, uh, it just it goes to show me that we just we've quit on developing. Like we just don't want to teach people how to play baseball anymore, or we don't want to take the time to develop players. We've cut the draft, right? Yeah. We've uh, allocated only so much money, so only so many people get money, so only so many people are actually going to get to the big leagues. That we're really going to give time to uh we got rid of minor league teams because uh for whatever reason right so now we're not we're not drafting we're not developing anymore we're not doing anything so now what are we doing because every time we do something dumb we have to kind of like 
add a rule to well we messed that up so let me add a rule and that's what this is so why am i expanding to 26 to 28 there's no reason we we have 40 less teams in the minor leagues we cut the draft back so how about this we get rid of the draft bonus we let it be whatever it is <clears throat> we add our teams back to the minor leagues we stop rushing these kids to the big leagues that aren't ready and then we don't have to expand our roster to 28 because we don't draft well or we don't develop well i should say and because we don't have enough guys ready to play the game that let me add three more guys to the roster because we're not ready well how about this take spring training for what it's worth and use it to get ready we don't need this stop stop paying starters 40 50 million dollars a year now which i'm all about don't get me wrong if you're not going to let them do their job if you're not going to let a starter go seven eight or nine innings to do his job then stop paying them that money right give it to relievers who you're asking to pitch more innings in a baseball game than you are a starter, and then you're running out of pitching, so now we got to add three more guys to the roster because I'm running out. You see where I'm going with all this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's so many different things that we could do better to where we don't have to continue to add roster players because we don't know how to, one, develop, two, let our starters play the game, three, maybe even manage or manage the game the way it should be. There's a lot of things that we can do better to make our players better to where I don't think that particular rule needs to even be something that's issued or talked about. I think that is really interesting because when it comes down to it, typically your shortest starts of the year, they are going to be coming a little bit earlier, which is why I do like it a little bit more. And at the same time, I don't understand mm -hmm. why you've got so much expansion towards the end of the year. You want to give some young guys a little bit of an opportunity, but I like when you wind one. up... We, so we lowered that one, right? In, in September, yeah. we used to be able to expand it to 40 which Bring you just have the entire bullpen just stacked with like 50 guys yeah, standing around. It's like, what the heck? You're bringing dudes up to do that, though, to get the nerves out, to get their jitters out. Show them the big leagues. Give them an opportunity to to get in games. You're not, uh, it's not really held against their rookie of the year for the, the following year, et cetera. You're giving these guys an opportunity to see what this is about. You're getting a small look at them for next year. We have lowered that number, right? But we want to expand the April number. I don't. I'm not for that one. I am for some, but I'm not for that one. Mm -hmm. um, and then what did I just hear? I, I was I thought that the expansion or not the expansion. I thought that the um, the shift was banned this year, but we're not banning it this year. We're banning. We're going to be year. banning it next year, gotcha. which I okay. think is absolutely ridiculous. Because when it comes to the shift, you should be allowed to be able to have it. I mean, just <laughs> teach guys to be able to hit it the other way. Which I know that's much easier said than done, but. I mean, we've seen guys like I still remember Matt Carpenter a few years ago. They just shifted like crazy on him. He laid down a bunt, wound up getting a double on it. If you wind up being able to hit it to the other side, they're not going to do the shift. GP, that's the same dude that said, um, why am I going to go the other way when it takes three singles to score a run when I can just hit a double or a home run? So that was the one <laughs> dude that was completely against it. And then he got tired of getting out. So he lays down a bunt for a double. Listen, in order to be successful, you have to stay inside the ball and use the whole field anyways, right? So hitting the ball to the opposite field creates success for hitters. So it's kind of what they always have been taught anyways, but we decided to eliminate it. And uh, now guys like Joey Gallo, obviously big advocate for, for not liking the shift. And, and, and now I'm outspoken because I'm like, all right, for the guys like Joey who, who kind of cried about it, complained about it, Vegas boy, love the kid, but let's be, let's be honest about this. Uh, now what happens for all the guys who complained about the shift? Now are they going to stop hitting 220? Are they going to hit 320 again? Is it really going to change their average? I got a feeling we're not going to see too much difference, but we will. We will see. We're going to see a lot more double play turn because now we're going to be in the right position defensively to actually get to second base and turn double plays. Where when you have three on one side, 
We don't have that ability. We've lost that a little bit. So I don't think it's going to help the offense as much as they think it's going to help. But it will, I will say this too, it will let hitters go back to hitting the ball up the middle and not thinking in their brain, pull or the other way. So by default, it should keep hitters on the pitches a little more too. So mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I think so as well. And if you're taking a look at the basketball game right now, Duke, Arkansas, 66 to 54, got about 826 remaining in game number, seeing a lot of places right around 12 and a half with a in game total of 154 and a half as we've got Josh showers joining me right here on the desk. And when it comes to what we're actually going to be seeing this year as well, because we've got a couple of those rule changes that should yeah. cause for a little bit of adjustment there with regards to season wins one that wanted standing out to me is the Miami Marlins they're right around 74 and a half in a lot of spots and I think that that's the one that I think is too low in my opinion I think that the Miami Marlins have a lot of potential they wind up saying signing Jorge Soler a few weeks ago they picked up Jacob Sellings a solid catcher from the Pittsburgh Pirates a few weeks ago as well you're seeing it right there on the screen 74 and a half at the south point and when it comes to Miami Marlins they've got a halfway decent bullpen they've got good pitchers like Sandy Alcantara and company I'm not sure how you feel about them coming into the year I certainly don't think that they're going to be able to win the east but 74 and a half just seems way too low especially in comparison to the division that you've got with a team like the Washington Nationals that they're going to be a bottom feeder and with the Phillies I'm still not buying in on them either you don't like the Nationals GP you don't like them, huh? They're rebuilding. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're going to be able to have their day in a few years this year. Not so much. Isn't it amazing? And then Soto turned down like $400 million or whatever he turned down. It's so crazy. They are kind of rebuilding. Um, listen, let me. I'm trying to find the regular season for last year. I want to see this real quick with the Marlins Marlins because it is 74-ish right now. Yep. Um, 67. And we had them actually, I, know, I thought they were going to be a lot better last year, right? Because the year before they made the postseason. Short year, but they made the postseason. And then last year, they, they, they didn't do anything, 67. But what did we have recently? We had Jeter quit. Why did he quit? Do you I, know why? Just because he wasn't able to build much. Correct. They weren't able. They weren't, they weren't willing to go out and get players that he thought they needed to get. They weren't really willing to go out and spend the money in the places that he felt. Like, are you not trying to win? Like, he's a winner, right? That's where he came from. That's all we did in the Yankee uniform. It was about nothing else. Every day was about how do we win today's baseball game. That's all it was about in that clubhouse. So that's his mindset, right? They don't have that mindset. Now, listen, he, he, he got himself into the business aspect. He understands that, right? That, that works. But he also understands we have to do things to win and win now and win always. And they're not doing it. And so 74 wins after 67 and what I feel is, is, a, is a failed year last year. I thought it could have better. I don't know. I don't know if, if 74 over is going to be good. Listen, I hear what you're saying about the Nationals. They weren't very good last year either, right? After they sold off everybody, they weren't good. The Mets, we have them at 90. No, come on. Let's yeah. be honest. No one won 90 last year. The Mets aren't winning 90. I don't care if they have Max Scherzer or not. It's not happening. They have the New York Mets. The Philadelphia Phillies got so much better. They will be in the 80s as well. Atlanta's going to be in the 80s. Where's the wins coming from? The wins got to come outside of the division. Are they good enough to do that? I agree. I hear you on the Solaire. I hear you on the starting lineup. But who's the leader? Is Solaire the leader? He's been in, in Kansas City. He got 86 as a prospect out of the Cubs, right? Is he a leader? He did great last year with Atlanta. But who is it? Is it Sanchez? Is it Garcia? Is it Aguilar? They have dudes that can hit. But they have a ton of dudes that are the exact same player. So as a pitcher, I don't like Jazz, Chisholm, and then the rest are the same. 
So what am I worried about as a pitcher? If one pitch is working, then I'm pretty much set for that day. And then you're right. Let's go to the starting rotation. Alcantara, love the kid. I think he's one of the best in the game. He does well. They don't really score for him. I know that's kind of a weird thing, but they don't. And then Trevor Rogers, who was fantastic. He's got to back it up. Sixto Sanchez, who seems like it throws 4,000 miles per hour. He's got to learn to pitch in the big leagues and be successful. He can, he can't. I don't know. They have a ton of potential. Who's leading that charge? Who is going to help them win? They we have will, a great coaching staff. We'll find that out but, on the other side right here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Continue. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, being rejoined by Josh Showers. For those of you guys looking at Duke, Arkansas, right now, 72.57. You've got five minutes remaining. In game total has bumped down to 149 and a half. So you wind up taking the under on this game. You've got a little bit of life there as Arkansas looking to be able to claw their way back. They wind up missing the three, but they get the rebound. Are they going to be able to get anything out of it? We shall see. But we've got Josh Showers joining me right now as that's a nifty move, and it does not wind up going. So they're down by 15. And Josh, there's the under right there. Yep, that is certainly a it. big giant helper if you wind up taking the under, which I personally did wind up doing. So that makes you feel a little bit better. But Josh, taking a look at everything that we're going to be getting this upcoming MLB season, I know that's something that really caught your attention is pretty much the Shohei Otani rule, where if you wind up having someone pitch, they are allowed to be able to stay within the lineup. As we know, we've seen a couple changes. because At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Now you've got the universal DH. So yeah. if you wind up having a good hitter out there in the National League, you don't have too many. Zach Greinke back in the day was able to do a little bit of something. But really, you don't have a lot of those guys out there in this day and age other than Shoya Otani. But if you wind up having someone pitch and they wind up getting removed, they can stay in the in the batting order after they wind up getting replaced on the mound. What are your thoughts on this? Because I do think that this, no doubt, winds up giving the Angels a little bit of an advantage <laughs> there. And I do think that the MLB in general is just starving for the Angels to be good because they have just fallen short every single year. But I do think that that's really interesting with regards to that role change. Yeah, I mean, again, right? So <clears throat> the designated hitter means the pitcher doesn't get to hit. That's fair, right? Yep. So all of a sudden, in Oshoi Otani's games, he does get to hit. And then when they pull him out of the game, he gets to stay in as the hitter. So they're going to start with no DH. And then they're going to add a DH once he's pulled. 
So we're just making up stuff. We're just making up what's good for Shohei Otani and the Angels. Listen, I'm a huge Otani fan. I'm like it's been so good for the the game of baseball. Uh, we saw it last year, but <clears throat> how is that fair? How is that fair to everybody else? How is that like? I, don't, I just understand how we're gonna have a universal DH, but we're gonna let Otani do whatever he wants to do. We're not gonna have a DH for his games until he comes out. Like I don't think it's fair. I don't think that, I think that if we're gonna have a universal DH then Otani should have to be DH for. And then if he comes out of the game and you want to leave him in the DH, whatever, do what you got to do amongst the rules then. But I don't think that we twist or tweak the rules to benefit one for the sake of ratings and or because he's great for the game. I don't think that's fair. I think that's clearly giving the Angels an advantage on the days he plays. Yeah, Ben, it's been so interesting as well because we've seen the Angels just time and time again wind up falling short. And now with a healthy Mike Trout, you're seeing it with them. Troy Otani and Mike Trout are the two short shots to be able to win American League MVP. <laughs> and both. I, I don't know if I can get behind it because with regards to the National League as well, you've got Juan Soto who's by far the favorite, and I do think that he should be the favorite. He's right around plus 280 with that regard. But I find it to be so intriguing that in both leagues, the uh, front runners to be able to win MVP are on a pair of teams that we're going to call it what it is. There are teams that, with the Angels, they're a fringe playoff contender coming into the year. With the Washington mm -hmm. Nationals, they're in rebuild mode. And typically, when it comes to the team that winds up having the MVP, it's not always the case. But typically, it winds up coming from a winning team. And I think that that's something that you're able to exploit when it comes to these markets. Taking a look at just some of these teams that you expect to have better records in general. Trying to be able to find one of the top dogs out there. And trying to find a little bit of value on a little bit of a longer shot. Rather than taking the short shots on teams that... Probably aren't going to win a ton of games. And Soto, like, he, he probably could have won it last year. I mean, I'm you about You take a Bryce. look at the second half of the season. There were five players after the All-Star break that had half as many walks in the National League as Juan Soto. That's just insane. He was so good last year, right? And so why didn't he get more love? Probably because they were so bad, right? Yep. So now we're going to we're gonna short shot him on a team that really is not going to compete that well. Um, listen, he could easily win the MVP, but they're not. You got to look at Acuna. I love it. He's motivated. How are we not like Bryce's third? He won it again last year. This guy has made every change in the world to do it again. I wouldn't be shocked if he backed it up. There, there's other guys that like. Mookie Betts is one that I take a look at 9-1 yeah. because he's the one guy that really gets highlight reel plays out there in the field as well. They don't he does so love. much with his feet. Yeah. Yeah, they need to get that more love. Well, I agree. Tate, I mean, if we're really talking about MVP and what a person does for the game, Trey Turner's. He's amazing. I, oh, yeah. I might be the first guy to take the start of a new team. He's got like, a little bit good? of power. He does a good job sealing bases. Oh, he's he hits 300. He's great out there in the field. I totally agree with you there. And with Acuna, I do think that he should be one of the short shots. But the one concern that you've got is how does he wind up coming in off of that injury? Now, mm. as we know, with regards to these awards as well, it's not necessarily how you start. It's how you finish. What you wind up doing in May, probably not going to be as important as what you wind up doing down the stretch in, say, a pennant race. So I do think that that's Let's, a little bit of a part of it as well. But you've got to have your question marks, in my opinion, a little bit off the injury. G a little bit. But, GP, let's be honest. If Jacob DeGrom pitches a full season, he's walking away with the Cy Young, Oh, right? absolutely. If Mike Trout and Shohei Otani play a full season, they're walking away with the MVP. Let's be honest about yeah. this, right? So I get it. You're getting them both the plus money, and all I'm hoping for is a full season because when Mike Trout plays a full season, there's nobody in the game as good as him except for his teammate who does both what we saw last year who's on and now you got level. the rule change help him out too <laughs> and then you got the the benefit of a rule change 
helping Shea Otani. So again, like if, if you feel these guys can last the whole season, then maybe it's worth getting plus money because at some point, dude, we saw it at some point last year <clears throat> where Jacob DeGrom was like minus 1,000. A thousand. I don't think it got down that low, but it was like it was minus insane. 300. Yeah, it was insane. So, I mean, again, like it, it just that that's the biggest thing with any of these awards pre-shot is are they going to be healthy? Right. It's the same thing when we're looking at the win totals. Are a lot of these guys going to be healthy? I mean, if, if Jake goes down again or if Scherzer has an off year, the Mets have zero chance of getting 90 and it's already border with those two guys. So we have to factor in a lot of different things when it comes to the season totals, the Cy Youngs the MVPs. Dude, so looking at this real quick, as you did ask me off air, um, I do like the Philadelphia Phillies at 85 to go over. If they're going to make the postseason, they have to make, they have to win over. If they can get any bullpen pitching, they'll be in. Right, and they added uh, who Corey Knable, so they added yep. a, a great piece to that as well. Um, I think that they didn't, they built a team last year, they started to click, and they added some pieces. I think that they will add more pieces. I think the Dodgers have to, the Dodgers are on another level. That's a video game team. Yeah. The pitching, they're they're really counting on what they have. They do have enough players to be able to trade if they wanted to, but they do have that all-star lineup that's going to make up for a couple guys who miss here or there with like the fourth and fifth. So, I mean, again, like you have to look at the depth and we knew the Mets last year weren't going to do what everybody thought they were because of depth. So we have to go. I think the White Sox have depth. I think one of the teams, if you can get a good line on them, I see 78 on the sheet. If you can get anywhere lower, I think the Tigers are a sleeper team. Oh, they, if you saw what they did last year in the second half and then who they added, how good A.J. Hinch is, I think this is a team to look at if you can get a good total on them as well. And with regards to the Tigers as well, Spencer Torkelson, it seems like he's going to be starting day one. This kid is absolutely amazing. Casey Mize, along with Tariq Skubal, were able to take some great strides forward mm -hmm. as well. And then Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, is going to be really intriguing as well because I don't know how much you wind up taking a look at some of these fielding independent numbers versus the ERA, but he had one of the biggest differentials in the MLB. And I do think that getting away from Fenway and pitching in Detroit, which is much more pitcher-friendly, I think that that's going to be very beneficial for him as well because you saw him really drop the walks from the last time he had pitched a full season in 2019. Yeah, I think he's a, like, I think he's a winner. I, I mean, I think the guy knows how to pitch. Um, I think that's a great fit for them. You said a Casey Mize is, we haven't even started to see how good he's going to be. Scoobles, the question mark, right? Which school? We saw two different Scoobles last year. Um, Manning, we don't know yet. And then Pineda, listen, he needs to give them five or six, which he's capable of doing. I think that he's made <clears throat> great strides since coming back from injury. Obviously, over there in Minnesota, he did well. So, I, listen, I think their starting rotation is good. They have more depth than that. But I think it's very good. With what we're seeing, the bullpen did a great job. You got uh, um, Baez. They brought Baez over. Yep. Now, listen, I'm not a Baez guy. We saw how bad he was in New York, but we saw how good he can be in Chicago. But he's also going back and playing for A.J. Hinch on purpose because this is a guy that he likes, that he plays well with, and they gel. So they're starting to really fill in pieces that have made this team so much better. And then we'll see about Torkelson. Like, did he get enough minor league at-bats to be ready for the big leagues? We're going to find out. Yep, I think that it's going to be really intriguing. And Josh, I know that you're going to be breaking all this down during the season because next week starts up a new show with you along with Ben Wilson. It's mm -hmm. going to be called The Run Line. And it's going to be every Sunday. It's going to be yep. right around this time area. I think that you guys are, I believe, 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific time, or is it 6 to 8? 
I'm going to double check with you. All right. I'm going to double check on that. You're going to be able to find <laughs> that every Sunday. We know that. It's going to be every <laughs> single Sunday. You guys are going to be doing absolutely amazing work with that. And it is getting to be one of the best times of the season because Major League Baseball, you get the largest sample size possible, 162 games. And you're actually getting 162 games because they did wind up adding those double headers as well. And if you're taking a look at Duke versus Arkansas, right now the biggest sweat that you've got is the total 137 points scored 219 remaining 76 to 61 so we're gonna be to taking seven. a look at that in the other side and five to seven is the time that we're going to be having the run Pacific. line and our number two of the great Peterson experience comes up next right here on visa the sports betting network hey toby hey toby at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.